Hey, it's John Lee Dumas of EO Fire here to share there is no holding back. And plus also is a raw conversation between two friends who love to provoke expansive thought. Bria Anderson and Billy Cassano are nomadic entrepreneurs who dare greatly and share an insatiable curiosity about the practicality of lifestyle design. Together, they riff on what it takes to craft a badass life. Prepare to ignite. Hey everyone, welcome back to And Plus, also the podcast. My name is Billy Cassano and I'm here with the lovely... Woo-woo, Bria Anderson. Oh, that was sweet. Thanks. You're very welcome. Uh, so, what's up? I mean, I'm trying to say that to everybody that's listening. What's up? So hopefully they just respond out loud. <laughs> just speak it out, everyone. Just speak just, it out right where you are. Just scream it. Um... But we, so today we want to talk a little bit about self-love and empowerment. Mm. Um, This is something that uh, I think that everyone probably could use a little bit, including myself, a little bit of a deep dive into. Uh, I think it's it's tremendously important. Brie, I feel like you own this aspect uh, very well, and it's always a pleasure whenever our conversations kind of dip into this area because I feel like I learned something new about the importance and a little bit about, you know, maybe a way that I can alter my life and design it in a way that, that kind of speaks to this topic. Um, so I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you, what, what is self-love to you? <laughs> I had a feeling that you were going to bring that question in, in that way. And <laughs> I'm going to go right into it. But I love... I love how you mentioned that you feel like this is a subject or something that many people explore in one way or another. And some people may have different ways to say it other than self-love, but just this concept. So, yes, what does self-love mean to me? Uh, it's such a broad subject matter, but I would say, for starters, it's really built and rooted in compassion, hmm. kindness, being uh, gentle with oneself, um, honoring the fullness of who we are. And when I say the fullness of who we are, I mean in the times whenever we've got our shit totally together. Mm -hmm. It seems like people can totally get down with loving themselves whenever they have their shit together, right? It's a little bit easier to flex that muscle, if you will. But Mm -hmm. then also from the other side of the range of the spectrum, even when when stuff is just chaotic, messy, falling apart, whatever, however you want to look at it, um, mm-hmm. whenever life is in, in disarray of sorts. So, and, and when you say gentleness, I mean, for example, uh, you know, you spill the coffee, you don't yell at yourself, oh, you fucking idiot. You, you, <laughs> you just kind of, right? Like, cause that's, I mean, I feel like that's a natural, and I know that's kind of maybe a little extreme, but I think that that, especially when, you know, you're running late for work, you, you just stubbed your toe, you didn't get enough sleep, you didn't meditate today. You all these different things, and then like a little thing happens, and it's just like boom, this eruption. And I think it's the opposite of gentleness that you're talking about, right? Yeah, I love that you went with this example, and you said it might be something quote unquote simple or whatever words you used, but you know, spilling your coffee after a chain of events have already mm. happened that morning, and then you have this this self talk, these the ways in which you're like, what the, I'm such an idiot. What the hell am I doing? I can't get anything right. Like, all of that kind of stuff. 
that's a perfect example of, of gentleness. So what I mean by gentleness is coming into that situation, you spill the coffee on yourself and you be more gentle with yourself, a little bit more kind in the, mm-hmm. the, the self-talk and the stuff that you're going to say right in that moment. So instead of, you fucking idiot, it's like, ouch, <laughs> First, that, that might hurt if it burned you. Um, and, <laughs> and okay, that sucks. And not attaching that experience of spilling the coffee to the identity of who you are. Mm-hmm. You know, does that make sense? Absolutely. I think, um, yeah, but, but it's, it's so, and, and then <clears throat> one thing I know that works for me, um, or, or if I remember to do it, and I think that's my point here is I'll just take a big breath, like a deep breath and then decide how I'm going to, um, interpret the situation. Mm. But I think the trickiest thing a lot of times is not even having like that, that moment where you make that decision, you just immediately react. And I think that's where meditation can come in because I think that actually gives you that split second extra bit of time to interpret the situation a little bit differently. Uh, but I feel like times, exactly what you just said, if, if I'm feeling the funk, those are the times where I just get wrapped up in it and it's just like, you know, it's almost like a uh, uh, chain of dominoes, right? Just like boom, 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 boom. And it's kind of hard to get back out of that. Um, is there anything that, and, and, and I know I'm putting you on the spot again, but is there anything that you can think of that maybe even like a system or a routine of things that once you are in that funk, you kind of capture this, like, wait a second, I'm not even speaking nicely to myself. You know, I'm not even acting as my own friend. Is there anything that you've come across that has been helpful for you? I love the couple of things that you just said there. First of all, the element of awareness to even notice that you're not speaking nicely to yourself. And Mm -hmm. and I would put this out to everyone listening. How often, as we're talking about it now and bringing awareness to it, how often do we go through our day and we're not even aware of how many times we call ourselves a shithead or an asshole or whatever (laughs) it might be. I don't even know if last time anyone of an adult age called themselves a shithead. I feel like that's middle school, but, (laughs) you know, (laughs) just those elements of even noticing that you're calling yourself whatever you're calling yourself in, mm-hmm. a, in a hurtful or self-deprecating way. Mm-hmm. So the element of awareness and then the second piece of, oh, shoot, what was it that you said? Uh. Uh, well, I, I mentioned basically kind of catching yourself as you just talked about. But then once you do catch yourself, maybe there's a set of specific tricks or tactics that can be used. Like, uh, like I mentioned, maybe a deep breath could put you on a, on a different path. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was that. And then you also mentioned the element of being your own friend. Mm. That was the piece that I was, was trying to recall. So mm-hmm. briefly touching on that again. So the element of actually being aware of how you're speaking to yourself and then being your own friend. That's a beautiful way to say it. I actually just had a call, a great conversation with a client this morning. We were talking about self-care which is one tool that I'm going to get into about how to strengthen the self-love. But self-care, and one of the options of a soulful-based self-care is thinking of yourself as your best friend. Like, if you thought of yourself as your best friend and how you would speak to your best friend, I don't know about you, Billy, but most of the time, a majority of the time, I'm going to be pretty kind and, like, totally loving and just, I think highly of my best friends. Like I consider you to be one of my very close friends. I might even go into the, the label. Might I label you as a best friend? 
You can do it. Oh my gosh, we just went there live on air. BFFs. <laughs> BFFs for life, <laughs> at least for this season. Um, <laughs> so thinking about how I would speak to you. Right. You know, I would, I, in many conversations that we have. So coming from that place of being supportive and nurturing and kind and caring and compassionate, those are elements of how we would treat our best friend. So just f- sort of flipping the mirror and looking at ourselves as our best friend and mm-hmm. speaking to ourselves in that way. But going back into what you said about usually when it's the most tricky, like, yeah, Bria, that sounds all good. But when I'm in the, in the depths of it and I'm starting to really go into calling myself all kinds of names thinking about switching to, oh, but I'm my best friend. And it just, a lot of the times that doesn't feel possible. So one of the tools that I love is to focus the attention in, in flexing this muscle, as I refer to it, whenever you're in those moments of feeling stronger. So when you're in those moments of feeling good and feeling like you're, you're happy and stuff's working out, and you're in a groove, or you're in flow, or whatever you want to refer to it as. Mm-hmm. So in those moments, really highlighting and focusing on those elements of self-love. Does That's that- awesome. I think that makes so much sense, too, because, you know, while times are good, take advantage and be grateful and show the appreciation for the moment by really, I was going to use the word capitalize, but it sounds very financial, but mm-hmm. But really, you know, take advantage of the situation when when you are kind of just killing it. When you're in the zone, you might as well, like you just said, flex that muscle and make it stronger, which will then create that foundation and, you know, make sure that it keeps you out of that funk probably more often. Ah. Oh, I love the way that you just said that, that it keeps you out of the funk. I think that's an important clarity piece because we're inevitably, we're going to find ourselves in situations where our ability to be self-loving is going to be challenged, right. right? It's not an element of, I want to make that go away so that I don't encounter that, those times. And I'm always just always being self-loving. There's going mm-hmm. to be moments where that's really going to be tested. And it's, it's really going back to that element of, okay, now that I'm being tested in this, I feel like I have a stronger muscle that I'm able to come back into the strength of and tap into. Hmm. And that, that has been a, incredible resource for me over time. And I use that also in the discussion of intuition, you know, strengthening your intuition. And, and we were, I was just talking about this with a group of really great people last night over dinner and asking the question of, well, how do you strengthen your intuition? Like, how do you know whenever it's something that is truthfully guiding you or if it's just like your, your mind trying to persuade you mm. into something. And I use the same example, like flex that muscle whenever it's something that feels more accessible or feels quote unquote easier or feels more energy rich. Um, so that whenever the times are more challenging, you have that tool to be able to access. Yeah, I like that. And I think, um, I just thought of this just now, and this is something I try to do if I am feeling, uh, you know, I keep using the word funky, but you know, just, just not, not feeling a hundred percent, not feeling like I'm in the flow. Sometimes it's good to say, well, what if I was in the flow? What are the kind of things that I would do? Yeah. You know, I would probably get up and run. I would probably do, I know I talked about this, like doing the pushups, um, pushups for me, a lot of times are just kind of like a metaphor, right? You've got to do your own self care, right? Like you, as you mentioned before, um, and if you can almost act as if and just have faith in these different things that you would have done had you been in that zone, 
a lot of times that's the guiding light. That's the step-by-step, you know, the, the reverse domino effect of just knocking down one to the next to the next. And then before you know it, you're, you know, you're back into this, you know, you got your swagger back, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This, actually, I wanted to say one other thing, too, because <clears throat> you were talking about, when we're talking about being our own friend, there's another element that came up that I was thinking, and I'm trying to think of a way to kind of phrase this. But, you know, if, if you are a true friend, you're, you're nice and you're kind to your friends, right? I mean, that makes sense. But also, there's a point when you have to be stern with friends. You have to tell them when they're fucking up, right? Like, look, I just want to let you know, man, I've noticed that you've been, um, you know, I can tell that you're upset about this. You're not addressing it. And because of that, you're acting in this way, this way, and this way, mm-hmm. or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. So, and, and that's what a true friend would do, right? Instead of just watching the, you know, just the, the imminent train wreck down the road, you step in and just say, hey, you know, I know this is an uncomfortable conversation, but I want to let you know what I'm observing, what I'm saying on my end. Like how, how do you, I guess, approach that? Um, has that ever come up for you or anyone that you've worked with of, of like a way to still be stern, but also be gentle, if that makes any sense with yourself? Absolutely. I love this. So the elements of even just the way that you just that you described it and some of the things that you might say to a good friend like hey man i'm noticing this and i just wanted to kind of let you know because i really what's rooted underneath of that for me when i hear you say that is you care you care mm-hmm. about that person and you're still approaching it from a compassionate kind gentle place and sometimes i feel like those words like kind, gentle, compassionate, they can feel a bit more feminine. You know, they can feel mm-hmm. a bit softer. And I'm curious, once I get through this, to ask from the perspective of a man, you know, your words and your interpretations of it, because I feel like that would be useful for people listening too. And I'm, I'm curious myself. So, but those elements of you're still approaching that situation with that friend from that place of caring and being kind, right? Mm. If, mm-hmm. if you choose. And if, again, if we're talking about you and I and being BFFs, <laughs> we have moments where we'll, we'll call each other out on things, but we're never like, you fucker, what are you doing? Unless, yeah. we're, unless we're kidding around. But in a, moment, <laughs> yeah. in a moment of where you can really tell that that person is, is having a hard time with something, we come from a place of being kind to one another. So... I love that you brought this up because there are going to be those moments within ourselves where Mm -hmm. we're facing something that might be challenging or we can even detect that we're going down a road of whether it's our mindset and our thoughts just take us on a a domino roll of um, destructive thinking. Sure. We can even step into that moment and start to ask some questions. And one tool that I love to use for this is the work of Byron Katie. Are you familiar? Hmm. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, um, just through Brian Johnson's Philosopher's Notes, but I'm not particularly, you know, I haven't, I haven't read too many of, it's a, it's a woman, right? Yes, yeah, she's yeah. a woman. And the part that I'm going to hone in on here of talking about the work is the series of questions that you can access. She calls them the four questions because that's how many of them there are. Um, to really invest- <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's really that simple. <laughs> it's creative. Um, to really like, investigate those thought processes that you might have. So Mm -hmm. 
they're really they're kind of kind of a form of uh, meditation, I guess you could say. But I'll just get right to it. So basically, you're having a thought about something. Maybe you're going into that bit of self-critical, judgmental place. And the first part, this is outside of the work that I want to add in before we go into that. The first part that I like to to offer is a way to explore self-love in that situation is to shift from a place of judgment to curiosity. Hmm. Because... Oh, I like that. it, It lightens it and it opens up more space to explore. Right, where typically judging, it's kind of like a really harsh, where walls come down and right. it's heavier and more critical. Well, and it, and it does also, it just immediately, as you said that, I'm thinking it changes from a statement to a question. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. it's not, this is this, or I'm an idiot for spilling my coffee. It's, why am I so frantic right now? Yes. Ooh, I just, I felt that roar through my body. That felt so good. That was interesting. I like it. So that's just the first question? No, that's actually a part from me before I go back oh, oh, into the, cool, the Byron cool. Katie. It just reminded me mm. to access these questions. And just like you said, when you shift from judgment to curiosity, you come more from a place of a defining statement to a question. Hmm. So then some question, her, the work is those series of four questions. So basically, let's use the coffee example. You spill your coffee on yourself in the morning and the state, what would be something that in the more critical place, what would be something that you would say to yourself when that happens? Uh, just, I mean, I don't want to keep dropping F-bombs on here, <laughs> but you know, it wouldn't be pleasant. You know, it's definitely one of these things where it's like, okay, uh, you're an adult, right? And you know how cups work, right? <laughs> you know, just kind of like probably digging in on myself about how at this point you probably shouldn't be spelling beverages okay that's all fine and good but give for the effect of it give me the real statement of what you would say f-bombs included just what i said probably earlier when i just said oh you fucking idiot okay great that's probably exactly the route i would go perfect so the first question of of the four is whenever you make that statement the first question is is it true it's simply yes or no. Right, right, right. It so wait, this is, this is question number one? Yeah. Question. Okay. I love this. Okay. Yeah. Question number one. Is it true? So in that instance, whenever you say, you fucking idiot, then you pause and say, okay, is that true? <laughs> then I got to go like ask my mom to pull up report cards. <laughs> from. <laughs> Please help self-validate me right now, mom. <laughs> no, I like that though. I, I, um... I think that's so important um, how often we have specific thoughts that we just kind of accept where there's no real analysis, right? Mm-hmm. It's just it's just like, well, I'll never be able to do that. Is that true? Yes. I mean, maybe you're not going to do that, but the only reason why is because you're not putting the action behind it and you probably don't have a really strong why for why you want to do that other than watching somebody like Gary Vaynerchuk just kill it on social media every day and you kind of want that – you want all the goodness but you don't want to put in the hard work because you haven't developed a strong enough why to put yourself through that gauntlet. Whereas is that really true? Probably not. You know, I, I, I just think that uh, – I really love that question. I'm sorry. I just kind of derailed but – That was great. I love when you go off onto your tangents of brilliance. <laughs> just, so, get, just getting lost. lost. <laughs> the first, is it true? Really, it is just a yes or a no. So it's in that instance, when you spill the coffee, you say that statement, is it true? 
if you go with yes, like you're like, yep, that's true. Like say you're really in the thick of it and you're like, yep, mm-hmm. that's true. Then the mm-hmm. second question to ask is, okay, can you absolutely know that it's true? Like without a doubt, 100%, fully proven, guaranteed, can you know that that's true? I love that because it takes it a little bit mm-hmm. deeper. And then again, that's a yes or a no. So then after, if, if it comes into you saying yes to the first one and you go into, can you absolutely know that it's true? Then we come into the third question of how do you react or what happens when you believe that thought? Hmm. So in that experience for you, when we're talking about the coffee example, say you have that response whenever you spill it, you don't believe it to be true, or I'm sorry, you do believe it to be true. So then you explore, okay, how do I, how do I react or what is happening right now when I'm believing that? So what for you, Billy, what would you Mm -hmm. say if we're following through the example? Sure. If you're believing that you're an idiot, then how are you feeling in that moment? In that moment, you know, probably pretty terrible and probably just adding on to whatever state that kind of got me into the place that probably caused the coffee to spill uh, in the first place. And then, you know, as you said that, what I was even thinking was, is it probably would have a decent effect on your next conversation. Yeah. You know, you you, you go in and you, you meet someone, maybe you're at the office or you meet somebody, you know, uh, even a stranger and like, oh, you know, what do you do or, or how are you? Eh, you know, like, I think that could definitely set the tone for, uh, the next event, whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, uh, that's, a by, but by using these questions, I could easily see that you would just kind of create a whole new tone and just set a different ripple. Yep. Yeah. It can completely shift or saturate whatever it is that thought or feeling was. So in that instance, if you're believing that you're a fucking idiot and you're noticing like, Oh wow. Okay. So then now moving into the rest of my day or days or weeks or months or years, I mean, this could really just expand exponentially if you Mm -hmm. allow it to, or don't have, don't go through this process, for example. Um, then you have that opportunity right there to shift to a more empowering place of curiosity. Again, it's coming back to that curiosity. And this Mm -hmm. is what I love about the fourth question is that shift. Okay. Now you know who you are and how you feel when you do react in that way and you do believe that thought. So let's go to question four of who would you be without the thought? Hmm. And you open up that space of more curiosity again uh, and the possibility for empowerment. And this one is really rich to me, especially in the moments of when you're actually in the thick of it. Like we're talking about a scenario hypothetically and we're not actually in it, but accessing this whenever you are in the thick of whatever it is that you're thinking of yourself is I have come to find and I've, I've offered this work to my clients too. And they just are amazed at how that one question, like, wow, I actually have a choice here of Mm. what I'm thinking in my mindset and how I see myself and what I believe or don't believe. And I have the opportunity to shift into empowerment and think about, okay, who would I be without that thought? So let's go back to the, I love playing with this with the coffee example, because it's a pretty simple, tangible thing that I'm sure many people have experienced in their own way. And so we're coming through that and you had those thoughts um, that when in believing them, you saw what could play out. Now, what would it be like, 
who would you be without the thought? Mm-hmm. I mean, you would be much more like a Zen master, <laughs> right? You just start to realize, okay, that was hot liquid that just spilled on the side of my car or on the side of my pants that I can probably throw a napkin on that would maybe stain a little bit, maybe not. And uh, it's probably not going to alter my day all that much mm-hmm. or my life, right? Yeah. It, it, it really, in this specific instance, it brings it down to the simplicity of the experience. Like, okay, this is what actually happened. This is, doesn't mean anything about me and who I am. And I have the choice, ultimately, as to how I perceive that and, and perceive myself involved in the experience. So then, okay, so, so I, we're talking about something that's fairly trivial, right? Yes. What about, you know, a situation where it is more serious? You know, what about a situation where, um, you know, you are up for promotion at work or you uh, are, are, you know, you're trying to, you know, you're trying to um, meet up with a specific CEO of a startup in San Francisco and, and you keep missing them or, or her and, and all, the, all these different aspects of things that, that actually could be a lot more meaningful to your life. Mm-hmm. I, you know, immediately I think that these questions are also very um, useful. But I, I have to imagine that it would take a lot more, um, I don't want to say effort, but I kind of want to say maybe um, attention or focus yeah. on, on, on these type of questions and really kind of hang on tight, which, which I think can be m- maybe the most challenging aspect, depending on our energy levels and, and other things that are going on. Um, but, but maybe then, and, and just to wrap up this thought, I guess maybe even then that much more important to really focus in on these kind of things and, and make sure you stay curious and realize that this can be, uh, not to sound super cheesy, but this obstacle can be an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, I think it comes back to, in my opinion, it comes back to the, the flexing of the muscle. So yeah, the, the spilling the coffee on yourself experience might be something pretty trivial, but it's in those moments, I believe, even on that side of the spectrum, it's in those moments where if you're practicing utilizing tools like this, then you'll have that strength to be able to practice it in a situation that may be much more um, demanding or um, not quite so trivial, whatever the opposite side of that would be. Because mm-hmm. uh, if you're if you're accessing that in the times that are, then you have that strength to be able to access it in the times that are much more challenging or demanding. Mm-hmm. And one of the pieces too, Billy, that this reminds me of again, and I love sharing this over and over to just reinforce and remind everyone listening, especially when we're talking about self-love is when you were talking about the, the San Francisco, the startup, the interview, that that whole thing, I could feel that that being much bigger And it reminded me again to come back to remembering to not attach one's value to any experience, situation, choice, those sorts of things. To not identify with and attach our personal value of who we be with those experiences, situations, or choices. Hmm. So that's that's a great example from either the spilling coffee on oneself to having the interview with the high-level startup CEO thing in San Francisco, you know, much bigger deal. Um, you are not, the, the value of who you be is not 
attached to or equated with those experiences. Mm. Is that, is that, or is that landing? Or? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I actually just, uh, just this morning I was reading through some quotes from the Hagakuri, which is the Samurai Bushido code book. Basically. Of course, of course you were. Who's, who doesn't start their mornings like that? <laughs> I honestly don't even know how that happened, but it's, uh, just a, it was a natural gravitation. But uh, he, the, the guy, the author, and I, I won't be able to remember his name, but he basically said, um, take small situations seriously and big situations uh, with a grain of salt, basically. And I, I just I looked at that, and it was just one of those uh, super simple statements that I just kind of wanted to reread, and I read it again, and I started thinking about how interesting that is that, that and, and I think it ties in here, right? So you don't get the interview with the CEO of San Francisco, and it was a big deal to you. How can you take that very lightly? And then maybe even taking the spilling the coffee much more seriously. Hmm. Because the, the way I'm looking at that is, is like that's where you're going to get the best training when you can just calm your nerves, be at peace with the situation, improve your self-talk, be curious instead of judgmental with the coffee. And then when it's like a bigger event that's more serious, it's like, well, you know what? Back to the drawing board, you know, like mm -hmm. it, it's just one of those things that if you can frame your mind and just not take that, the big thing so seriously, um, much easier said than done. And we're talking about, you know, we're talking about samurai code here, but, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it just, that was just fresh on my mind. And I think it's just an interesting aspect to maybe even realize, as you said, right, these, these external events are not who we are. Yeah. And so if you create this dojo in your mind, this place of training, when are you going to get the best practice? You know, when you're, when you're sparring with yourself in your car, if you spill your coffee, that's a good time to practice this so that you can really come through in those moments where you need it most. Yep. Oh, see, I love how you just took it into your interpretation of it with all the samurai ninja badass shit. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's, that's, really critical is the word that I feel that's critical to mm -hmm. have that clarity of realizing like, okay, yeah, shifting from judgment to clarity or judgment to curiosity and accessing this in those times that maybe feel more trivial, but looking at them as the real test, like, all right, I'm going to play this. I'm going to play. Here we go. <laughs> am yeah. I, am I willing? And not attaching the value of oneself to any circumstance, situation, outcome, experience, whatever it might be. I think mm -hmm. really if we're coming around to some of the core nuggets of what is self-love, that's going to be one of the biggest ones as well. Um, because so I don't, for those of you listening, really think about that in your life in different scenarios where you identify the value of who you are with an experience that you might be having. And mm -hmm. how many times, if you think about how many times we might, most of the time, we're so much more quick to attach our value to things that are self-critical than attaching our value to things that are remarkable mm -hmm. in, in, in the human nature that, that's much more common. So the key here is to not attach to either. Mm-hmm. And that might sound like kind of crazy because we're talking about, well, we're talking about self-love and, and like um, empowerment and those kinds of things. So why would you not want to attach to, 
identifying with situations that are empowering or that feel awesome or really lift you up and say like, yeah, that's me, that's me, and identifying with that. Because it's a practice, your brain psychologically can't know the difference. And if you allow it to attach, it's going to attach no matter what. Hmm. It's going to get into that habit, it's going to get into that pattern, it's going to follow that process. So then you're going to find yourself attaching to, yeah, the, the cool shit, but then also the stuff that's going to drag you down under. Mm-hmm. So, so to that last point, the uh, non-attachment, can we, can we dive into a specific, specific example? Because I feel like I'm following you, but I feel like we're going fairly abstract. Yeah. What would be what would be a good way of kind of just uh, maybe like a real life scenario? Not not maybe something that's literally happened to you, but something uh-huh. that could happen to anyone. Uh-huh. Oh, thank you for that. To get a little bit more tangible. So, hmm. well, because immediately what I'm thinking of is, uh, you know, when people. The, the the cars that people drive, I feel like they're, they're, that is a representation of who they think they are. I mean, and not everyone, of course, but um, there is that aspect of of you know where you the way that you feel that you project yourself onto others is how you feel inside. I think that can I think that plays out. I think that actually is a thing, right? Um, and a lot of that I think arguably is driven by consumerism and and the the idea that many marketers try to uh, kind of hijack people's pains and sufferings to mm-hmm. tell them like you're not complete, yeah. <laughs> you need you need this and this and this. Um, but but there's a reason why they can do that. I think there's a psychological aspect of humans, of course, that that they're tapping into. So um, I, I feel where you're coming from, and that's not landing for me in terms of going further into like. What you asked me to break it down, but I did mm-hmm. feel something that came up, so I'm going to shift right into that. That's cool. Well, yeah, absolutely. All right, so I think of and say a specific example. I give a workshop. I put on a workshop. Um, I just did one recently on authentic relating games, and it was awesome. Everyone really loved it. People were raving. They were honoring me and right to my face saying like, you're incredible. This was so cool. I'm so glad that you did this. Thank you so much. And it was it was a really awesome experience. You know, it felt really great to stand in that place of service for all of those people that chose to engage in the workshop. So what I mean when I say don't attach to the good stuff too, is in that moment, I could identify with, wow, I'm really awesome because I did this, because I put on this workshop, because I I served for, for all the people here. So I leave that situation and I'm identifying my awesomeness which I do believe that I'm awesome, but I'm identifying my awesomeness and attaching it to that workshop and that situation. So when I come out of there and, and within whatever amount of time, you know, the effect of that is going to fade, right? It's just the nature of things mm-hmm. and different experiences are going to happen after. So if I'm attaching my value to that workshop and the things that those people said, mm. then I'm also, it's almost like I need that consistently to feed me. Right. Now you're chasing a dragon. Yeah. I like, see. I only feel good about myself if I have those experiences where people are ver- ver- verbally or in whatever means telling me I am good. Mm-hmm. So then when I don't have those experiences, I feel less than. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. 
And I could see that playing out too with the whole car scenario that I just randomly threw out there. I mean, eventually that feeling, that new car smell wears off, that new car feel wears off, and then you need that next thing. Um, and just, just, just thinking more about the materialistic path, yeah. I think that, that plays out as well. Okay, cool. Thanks for bringing it back around. Yeah, now that landed for me. So the materialism aspect. It's a great mm-hmm. example. Identifying mm-hmm. the value of oneself based on what material things we might have. And don't get me wrong. I love nice shit. I enjoy a beautiful car. I enjoy, a, I mean, I have my own vision of my oceanfront home that I will own and live in soon. So there's different elements of things that we can desire and uh, want in our mm-hmm. lives. But it's, again, that element of coming back to not attaching our value to whatever those things might be. Mm-hmm. And it seems as though we might be going off a tangent from the self-love piece, but I really feel like, and B, I'm curious for, for you in talking about this, I really feel that that's a critical component of mm-hmm. the strength of love of oneself not being connected to or attached to anything outside of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally, I, I resonate with that. And, uh, you know, for me, the... Uh, Self-love, it, it doesn't necessarily kind of hit home as much for me as, and it really is just semantics, you know, just, just a word choice. I, I much more, uh, I guess, deeply associate with something more like self-respect, um, you know, just, just to respect that I'm making actions or taking actions that are in line with what I truly value. And that helps me feel that you know, that I respect myself. I mean, if, if <clears throat> there was a time, actually, I guess this was maybe like two years ago when I first left my job, I was in Santiago, Chile, and just kind of, you know, kind of had my own little hideout, did an Airbnb, and I was just doing some writing, you know, just staying up on my fundamentals and, and just trying to, and actually, I wasn't staying up on my fundamentals, but I was actively in the process of, of kind of digging out, like, what does that even mean? And I noticed that my my self-confidence was pretty low and not like tremendously low, but it was it was not uh, it, it was noticeable to me. And, I'm, and I started to just dig in on that. Like, what is it like? What is exactly going on? And it took me, you know, a little bit of time, maybe a, a few days of just kind of, you know, writing about it and thinking about it. And it just it became very simple. I just didn't trust myself. Mm. I didn't trust that I knew what I needed to do. I didn't trust that I was going to do it. Mm-hmm. And and that created a, a kind of a spiral in my mind for, for like, you know, 15, 20 minutes of just like, well, if I can't trust myself, what do you know? And uh, just, just all these different aspects, which was, it, it ended up being tremendously valuable going through this kind of exercise with myself to realize that for me, I just start small, you know, just do one thing. You know, mm-hmm. do, do, do the thing. Like, what are the things you feel that you need to do? Maybe it's running. Maybe it's, um, there was a kickboxing gym that I went to while I was there, uh, went in there and made sure I got in there three or four times a week and, and really pushed myself and just the effort put into like you, as you mentioned before, the self care and just doing kind of the smaller tasks that I knew I could do that wouldn't be too overwhelming you started to just develop this sense of trust that I was going to be doing what I said I was going to do. And, and since that time, and I think even before then, now I'm very careful to committing to things um, that, I'm, that I'm not sure that I'm going to do. Because if, if I commit to something and I don't do it, then it kind of a, a notch down on, on the trust level 
will will happen. And then, you know, if you don't trust yourself, then your confidence, I think, kind of wanes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that all ties into the whole aspect of self-respect. You know, you respect yourself when you're acting in a way uh, that is trustworthy. I love that perspective. Yeah, there's trust is is rooted in respect and vice versa. And even just the the shift for those of you listening, the opportunity to see it in a in a different way than what I was speaking to of self love, and it's almost a little bit more of the the feminine versus the masculine approach. And I love they're both fantastic in my opinion. And those elements when you were talking about confidence, you know, so much of the time in in the work that I do, this is a, a a core piece of the, what the women that I'm working with, what I am guiding and supporting them to really open up to in their lives, that experience of confidence in who they are. And it is rooted in self-love or self-respect, whatever, however you want to, however you want to phrase it, mm-hmm. experience, com- experiencing and sharing and putting out the confidence of oneself. This element of self-love and self-respect is essential to be able to, mm-hmm. to grow that or stand in that. So talking about self-care, I love the self-care piece and I'll even refer to it as self-care and scheduling in sacred time. And <laughs> as I'm saying, it, I'm laughing because I'm thinking about you, Billy, and like looking at your calendar and seeing the word sacred time on your calendar. <laughs> <laughs> and you'd probably choose some different way to put it, but just this idea of this is non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. I'm going to schedule this into my calendar just like I would a meeting or you know mm-hmm. whatever it is that you take the time and choose to schedule. So having that time and it can look different for everyone. It will mm-hmm. look different for everyone. Like what is self-care? You know, for me in some ways that might mean taking a bath with a candle and a cup of of uh hot tea or going for a walk or just doing some deep breathing or writing sitting down and taking the time to write or moving my body or connecting with friends or helping someone. I mean, that's just like a very tip of the iceberg term, some ideas of what my self care looks like. Um, yeah. And I'm curious for you. Yeah, that's awesome. I think mine would look a little bit different. Yeah. So what would some of the things be for you if we're talking about self care and, or would you even say it differently? Would you even say something different than self care? Yeah. I mean, to me, I really love the analogy of, uh, well, first off, Franklin, uh, Franklin, is that his name? No, Stephen Covey. He, he talks about um, the basically sharpen the saw. I think it's the seventh habit in his seven habits book. Um, and I, I, to me, I just think that it's tremendously important to be effective. I like to use the analogy of sharpening the sword just because there are times when the enemy or whatever task at hand is not clear. But that doesn't mean there's not one coming. It means probably the opposite, that there is one coming. And if you're just sitting around uh, being playful, and not to say that playful is bad, I mean playful in a way that's um, unproductive. I feel like there's like a certain, like for me, I love stand-up comedy. You know, I'll watch like Jerry uh, Seinfeld's Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. I don't see that as unproductive time because it it really just rejuvenates me. And I think that's a good type of playfulness. Um. Whereas a playfulness that is go out, get hammered drunk three or four or five times in a row, okay, maybe you're having fun. Probably actually not. You don't really even probably remember it. I would consider that unproductive playfulness. Ah, I like that. But um, 
but there, it's coming, right? There will be a task. There will be an enemy. There will be an opportunity. Whatever analogy you want to use. So what would a good warrior do? You make sure you're ready. You're doing your push-ups. You're jumping jacks and staying uh, aware of the situation. You're learning more. Maybe there's a new strategy you can pick up. Is your sword ready to go? Is it sharpened? Is it polished? You know, have you done all the things that you consider to be your code of honor to step into these things and be ready for when the time comes? So for me, I, I really like the guy. I forgot his name now. What is it? I think it might be Scott Adams. He's the creator of Dilbert. And he talks about focusing on systems rather than goals. I'm not a very goal-oriented person, but I do like the idea of systems, things that I can do on a day-to-day basis that I can just have faith that they will eventually be something that I'll be, I'll be proud of myself for doing. Mm. So, so going back to that, you know, push-ups, sit-ups, running, writing, reading, meditating, those are all like right in my wheelhouse of things. If I get those things done on a continuous basis, um, especially if I can find a heavy bag somewhere, <laughs> that's, it's, it's therapeutic for me, you know? And uh, so th- those are things that I would consider my sacred time, you know, or I don't even know what I would call it, to be honest. But it's just, um, you know, I kind of, you know, the fundamentals, the things that I know um, that are, I was listening to, um, I forgot the guy's name. I was listening to Joe Rogan's podcast and he mentioned one of the guys that he goes hunting with all the time mentioned that some things are fun in the moment and some things are fun after the fact. And those are the things that I'm talking about now. Like, it's not necessarily fun to do push-ups or to go and do – like, I do not like writing or reading, but I love having read and having written. I absolutely love that to the point where I've now understood it enough to where I will actively go and, and grab a book and start reading. Um, but that was a huge challenge for me. I'm, I'm not, I wasn't a big reader until I decided 15 minutes a day. You know, 15 minutes a day is something that I can do. Um, it's not uh, an overly daunting task that is going to keep me from doing it. It's a manageable, manageable t- chunk of time that I can either hit up right in the morning or on a, you know, I'm not doing corporate anymore, but during a commute or whatever it is. And all of a sudden it's like, holy shit, I read like three books. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's, it, it just, it over, you know, over time it, it adds up. So uh, what are some of the things, I like this clarification here, you're saying the writing and the reading and some of those elements and the push-ups and stuff, you might not necessarily love doing them at the time, but you enjoy the, the payoff or the benefit of it. But I'm curious for you, what are some things that, if we're talking about the translation of self-care, mm-hmm. what are some things that you do that you do enjoy doing at the time, at that time, and then also the benefit or payoff of it mm. afterwards? I already know wow. of one, and I have, I'm curious if you're going to say it because you've shared it with me before, but I want to let you go and see what you say. <laughs> hmm. This is something actually lately that I've started to realize more. Maybe it's just because I'm getting a little bit older. But um, when, when I was in Chiang Mai, one of my favorite things to do was grab my motorbike, cruise out to the University of Chiang Mai campus, and they had this lake there that was just right in front of these rolling hills of trees and you you could look at the hills and just you can kind of just see the depth at which they went back and the lake was huge it was just so quiet and serene and it was it was just it reminded me of being in a flotation tank it reminded me of the kind of the same feeling that I would get 
that you just look at nature and just see how harmonious it all worked together. There wasn't one side that was just overbearing on another. It was just kind of the symbiosis. And I really think that that's a very healthy way of spending time is to, to visit nature just to kind of understand that mindset um, instead of, you know, the concrete jungle of the city, mm-hmm. um, which is cool, though, too. Like, I, I actually, especially when I was, you know, like 20, 21, that's all I wanted was that excitement to be in the city, the city, you know, the lights, the, the pace and everything else. Um, I think that can still be very exciting, but I think it's important if you can to do maybe like a micro adventure, get out into nature and, uh, just kind of spend time. And I think, I think that's actually one of those things that is enjoyable in the moment and after the fact as well. Hell yeah. Love it. Great example. And those elements of slowing down and taking the time to just be there with yourself and with nature and how that recharges you and it feels great. And then it recharges it it charges your battery so then the after effect is fantastic Mm -hmm. and i i too i love i love 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 being in nature nature is a huge one for me too to recharge and to tap into that self-care so great i love the way you answered that and another one that you've shared with me in the past is and this is sort of the contrast to what you said about something that would be not productive in playfulness but Mm -hmm. you've shared with me how much you really enjoy sitting down with a group of people that you admire or that you really enjoy the company of and just having a couple glasses of wine socially. Oh yeah. And just really savoring that. Oh yeah. Honestly, that's like either, either red wine or coffee. Like it's just those two things I think stimulate great conversation. Um, and when you're with people who are, you know, good friends or anyone that's willing to kind of go a little bit off the rails, you know, like, Mm -hmm. let's just say things that maybe we don't even mean or just explore different ideas. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I love red wine a lot. It's, um, it's, it's my drink of choice. Um, as I said, other than coffee, I, I just, and I think I mentioned to you before, like, I like doing things while I'm doing things, right? Like, I think it's like some kind of ADD type thing. But I really like right now I'm standing up and just pacing around and um, I, I, it's just it, it's helpful for me. And I didn't even realize I was doing it. Right. But the same thing when you're having conversation, you know, you take you, you're just sipping on good wine, you know, and I'm not talking like <laughs> I'm not talking fancy. I'm just talking about, you know, just just something that's it's pure. Right. And, and you can stimulate good conversation. It's uh yeah, I absolutely love it. I think because here's the other thing, thing about it. I think that when we are going through our day to day, we live inside a closed loop to some extent. Hmm. We feed off of our own triggers. You know, I do this thing and that means then I'm going to feel this way. When I feel this way, I think this way. When I think this way, I feel this way. And, and I think we, we kind of create our own cycles. That's why I think it's so important to associate with people who are different from your culture, from your way of thinking, uh, with different ideas, and and ju- just to be able to spark um, uh, kind of an open loop where you can kind of offset, challenge yourself, be curious. It doesn't mean you have to believe everything they say, and I'm not. I'm definitely not saying to you know be, get involved in a hate group just because they're so far outside of what you think. Of course, I don't mean that. I just mean you know use your best judgment. Of course. But when you are doing something like having a glass of wine and having conversation about a topic that's, that's of interest to you, 
um, you're creating somewhat of an altered state of mind. And I think mm -hmm. that's an important aspect of, of remaining curious. Um, and then of course, like Bria, that, that's, that doesn't resonate with you all that much. Cause you, I know you, you, you'll have a drink, but not really though. Right. Like you barely drink. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is cool. Like, I, I mean, to each their own, right? Like, I think that what's, what's great about that is that you just know yourself well enough that it's like, no, this is just not for me, but I'll kick it with you guys. Like no big deal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that you brought that up because I was just going to comment to the piece of any type of stimulant and how it, I think an important part of that is to recognize the difference between utilizing it as a distraction or a diversion or an escape in that situation mm -hmm. and utilizing it as something that enhances it. Like from mm -hmm. what I know of you and your experience of it, it enhances it for you. It opens, it opens up new pathways and states that you can dive into deeper. So it's, it's, um, it's rich for you in that way. I feel like I've used that word quite a bit today, but it's just describing the power of it versus, mm -hmm. I'm going to every day after work, I need to come home and have three glasses of wine or drink three beers or whatever it is just because I, I want to escape from the experience right. itself. Right. Like that's a valuable clarification. Um, but yeah, like just tapping into those things. I love that part of what you talked about of almost an altered state, like going into the depths of conversation with people, whether that means having a couple glasses of wine with it, or I've been in situations with you and others where I've maybe had one glass and then just drank water the whole time, mm -hmm. like just totally hanging and being there and sharing in the, the conversation. Right. Well, and I think that's, that's, it's pretty powerful for you to be able to do that because I think it can easily be, you know, a tricky, um, almost like a slippery slope, right? Because, you know, there's a, like a, the minimum effective dose of that is probably like a glass, maybe two. Um, but before you know it, you're having a good time. You've had like four glasses and, and then it becomes like, okay, this, I'm not getting any benefit from this anymore. Uh, you know, like if anything, I'm spending more money, getting less value. Um, and it's because I, I haven't thought it through or something like that. Right. I mean, I, I could see that happening and I know that happens, you know, um, and that's just part of it. I think that's, it's a microcosm for many, many, many different aspects of life. Um, how much television do you really need to watch? It's not maybe bad to, you know, you have your favorite show, but how often do people walk into a room, turn on the TV without knowing what they're going to try to watch? Especially now when you have DVR, when you have access to so much information on demand, and yet it's just, well, I'll just, I'll just find what I think is the best. Yeah. And the, the best thing that's on might not even really suffice. It might not even really hit the level of what you would consider to be something beneficial to you, but yet you're going to settle for that because you haven't taken the time to, to really think that through. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I think it happens with YouTube and, and, and a bunch of different aspects too. Like I'll catch myself like, um, you know, before I put on that, that Google extension on Facebook that just basically, instead of a newsfeed, it just says, don't get distracted by Facebook. And that's just because, you know, when I was, you know, when I'm posting something on my Facebook page, I'll get caught up in something and all of a sudden it's like, man, I've been here for 30 minutes, mm -hmm. you know? So anyway, that's just the tangent. Well, I think the, the summary of that is 
part of what we touched on, like recognizing, okay, if I know that I like to have a glass or two of wine or whatever it is for you to enjoy the, and enjoy conversation, great. That can be an, a method of self-care or whatever, however you want to describe it. This is all coming back to enhancing one's love of self mm-hmm. or respect of self. But if you know that that is, is a tool for you, great. Or if you know that sitting and watching an hour of one of your favorite programs is a way for you to unwind and it's a great tool for you, great. Just know your boundaries with it. Know your your limits. Know your, um, oh, what's the word? Know your baseline, but know your, it's something about like the point of of less return or whatever that's mm. referred to as like there comes a certain point like you're talking about where yeah that might have been really useful and um resourceful for element of unwinding or self-care or whatever you want to call it but then there comes a certain point where it just drops off mm-hmm. and then it's like okay now now i'm either just escaping or i'm numbing out or whatever it might be and that's going in the opposite direction of being useful um and nourishing in terms of of self-care, which is applying to the love of oneself. So they all kind of trickle together, but right. And so you catch yourself, right? You're sitting there, you're watching 17 hours of TV (laughs) and you decide, Oh, you idiot. And then you stop and you think to yourself, wait, is that true? Yep. You can ask ask the questions and then go into that place of choice of curiosity and an empowering position instead, like instead of judgment. okay. Okay. I might have just watched 17 hours of Sex in the City. Now, which I did that years ago. <laughs> now, I love having these tools now to say, all right, do I do I want to continue ahead? Like, what is the benefit of this for me now? If I don't see the benefit in it, then what's my choice? And come from that place of empowerment of, okay, I still have a choice. And I love this simple phrase that I I love to use and I love to share with people. I recommit. Hmm. I recommit. What am I recommitting to? Why did I start this in the first place? Okay, for to self-care, to relax, to unwind. All right, I recommit to this position that is more empowering, that is in alignment with how I want to feel, what I want to achieve, who I want to be in my life. That's awesome. Okay, well, <laughs> I guess wherever anyone is, including myself and, and including you, I'll, I'll put that on you. It's time for us to recommit, regardless of where we are, to to having that self care, self respect, and self love, and um, and uh, really kind of diving into who it is that we know. You know, that's one aspect. I was just trying to close this up, and I'm going to go down another tangent real quick. Is just because <laughs> <laughs> I think it, it it underlines almost everything that we talk about. It's like you you really have to know yourself, um, and. And even even that, I think, is a, is a whole different thing. We'll probably have to dive deeper into that. But it's it's important, I think, to have that curiosity to just understand who you are more and more every day. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, I think that comes with elimination and not adding on. Yeah. Um, so I think that um, yeah, I mean, with that, I think that's the uh, that's the approach that I usually try to take. Is just like, okay, am I being honest with myself? And if so, okay, let's move forward through these uh, aspects and actions that will give me more respect for myself. Yeah, yeah, truth. Coming back to truth. Truth. That. And being able to see one oneself more fully or more clearly, like you mentioned, is continuous recommitment. 
whether that means slowing down. For me, that's what it often means and, and looks like slowing down. I love taking a bath, like just having that time with yourself without distractions or diversions or things to escape from really just being with, with you, whatever that might look like for you, for those of you listening, just start to get curious about that and Mm -hmm. start to explore it. And again, not attaching, I really just want to highlight again, not attaching the value of who you are with any of your experiences or circumstances, like discover that value from within you. And that may seem like a no-brainer for some of you listening, and that may seem like, well, I don't even know where to start with that for some of you listening. Just start to apply some of the stuff we talked about. Start exploring some of those things and and access the work of Byron Katie in those challenging times. Um, yeah, and utilize some of these tools. I really, my, I love talking about this stuff, so thanks for sharing this space with me, Billy, and asking some of those yeah. questions. Um, it is rooted in the work that I do with my clients, and in who I am and how I live my life. So it's fun for me to share yeah. some of these resources with you. Well, and then that also, it's fun for me to kind of pick your brain about this stuff because I know how excited you are about it. And I feel like you have a very interesting perspective and a, and a, and a stronghold on these ideas. So it's been a pleasure on my end as well. Mm, thank you. Thank you. Cool. Well, this has been great as always. I really enjoy getting back on here with you each week. And thank you for everyone here listening in. Um, I'm confident that there was tremendous value here for you to receive. So that's fun to know that you have the access to it through us. Through us. Through us. And we'll <laughs> <laughs> We're laughing because there's a, a hidden, uh, not really a joke, but meaning to that, which we'll probably get into in future episodes. Yeah, I think I've been taking a couple of notes. There's a, there's a few things I think we could definitely dive into uh, in the next couple of weeks. So, cool, cool, cool. Uh, thanks, everybody. Yeah, hasta, thanks. Hasta luego. Hasta luego. What does that mean? Um, means literally until then. All right, until then. <laughs> <laughs> All right, bye, everyone. All right, ciao. Why am I talking in Spanish? Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of And Plus Also. Yeah, thank you so much, guys. We know you have a bunch of options of how you can spend your time, so we really appreciate it. Yeah, totally. And if you'd like to connect with us further, perhaps there's a comment on something that we talked about in this episode or something that you would like to hear us discuss in a future episode, we would love to hear from you. So send us an email at contactandplusalso at gmail.com. And Billy, if people would like to connect with you further, more directly, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at bcasano, that's B-C-A-S-S-A-N-O, or at philosophersdojo.com. Feel free to check out that site. Um, And that's probably the best way. Uh, Bria, what about you? You can find me on my Instagram, somewhere that I really love to share little tidbits of my daily life and or anything inspiring. And that is Bria Lynn, B-R-I-A-L-Y-N-N. Or you can find me and contact me at my website, BriaAnderson.com. Very cool. Um, And if you enjoy this podcast, please help us out and make sure to share with friends that you think may enjoy it. Make sure to subscribe. Also, rate and review. Uh, It's very important. If if you do like it, for, for us to continue to do this. Uh, That way we can get a little bit more exposure and kind of motivate us to continue on. 
Yeah, greatly appreciated because we really want to continue to share this goodness with you moving forward. And that being said, we will be back with a fresh episode next week. It's going to be fresh. The realness. It's going to be so fresh. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, everyone. Bye. Ciao.